Come on and join me on the B-side When movie stars they weren't in their prime Made all the movies that got left behind That got them covered on the B-side You're gonna like it on the B-side Cause you got Dan and Connor by your side Throwing your knowledge from the inside And now you're listening to the B-side Hello everybody and happy holidays from all of us here at the B-Side Podcast for the film stage. Here, as you know, we talk about movie stars and movie directors, not the movies that made them famous or kept them famous, but the ones that they made in between. And today's a special one, right? This is like a little holiday gift for all of us. I feel like this is a nice- It's like a Halloween kind of a, on Christmas it's like a, kind of thing. Like a... Yeah, it's like a holiday two for one, okay? Because yeah. we have- we have a guest who we could talk about, Josh, we could talk about your B-sides and we'll talk about some of, you know, of your work, obviously, but we're, all, we're also all going to cover Sam Raimi, who obviously in his own right is, you know, living legend status and has made B-sides, but actually in going through a lot of A-sides, he's, his, his, uh, his batting average is incredibly high for this, for this show, oh, for the yeah. subject matter of the show, but before I get to that, Connor, as always, how are you, my good friend? I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, no, this is kind of this was a super fun one. Um, I think we we wanted to do this one for a little while, and uh, yeah, yeah as we you, have as usual, the right just happy to be nominated. It, so. You know, yeah, so. happy to be happy to be invited. <laughs> no, so so our, our guest uh, today is Josh Rubin, who you know as the director of Scare Me and Werewolves Within, and currently the star of uh, A Wounded Fawn, which is now on Shudder. And very good. Me and Connor got yeah. a chance to B- watch big, it. Big recommend, honestly. It's like a, very... a clean 90 minutes, like really solid, down and dirty. Yeah, gnar- yeah. I, I, my, the word I wrote down, Josh, was gnarly. Yes. was uh, in my notebook. Yeah. And I feel, like that, I feel like that's a good word for it, right, yeah. Wounded Fawn? I think that's pretty accurate. Jalo gnarly, even. Right, Jalo yeah, is blood, certainly... The blood is... Uh, red and our, in this picture and it's funny because our buddy now josh you were on one of our cinephile game nights um many moons yes. ago now and so our buddy Corey everett who he made the cinephile game he, speaking of jalo his new thing for the holidays is these books these little cinephile books and one of them is my first jalo so no it's way. all connected yeah so it's very fun it was you're totally right um do you want to, I guess, do you want to just talk for a second about A Wounded Fawn, just about the movie itself, and just kind of let us know what it's about, and we can chat about that for a few minutes? Sure. It's a phantasmagoric, uh, uh, you could say, feminist thriller with Jalo notes from uh, Travis Stevens, co-writer and director of uh, Jacob's Wife and Girl on the Third War- uh, Floor fame. And I play, um, essentially, Patrick Bateman in The Evil Dead Cabin. Um, gets his ass kicked by a bunch of uh, feminist furies, right? But that's only like barely scratching the surface. I feel like, and as a nice dovetail, I mean, the Evil Dead cabin thing of it all. Um, sure. The I yeah. I was thinking that while watching it because you know not a little to, bit of tr- a little bit of tree horror too. Yeah, just not, like a, a a skosh of tree. Not to, yeah, totally. Not to spoil too much for our listeners uh, on the movie, but even your your wardrobe. Uh, has like hints of ash in it a little bit, um, which I which I thought was kind of funny. I was like, oh, yeah, it is like a, a strong, strong Evil Dead vibes. Um, I mean, the dude's name is Bruce, as Travis pointed out the other day. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and he's wearing so in the uh, blue button up and, and uh, white you got you got kind of like a Campbelly energy a little bit you got kind of like a, yeah i get to do you, my my terrorized goof strong you, know? you got like strong sharp features you know it's uh you're a handsome we, fellow yeah. <laughs> and i yeah, want I, mean, I wish i could forward flip like him but we'll figure it out <laughs> oh well, you'll, yeah, you'll get I mean, there you'll get don't there. we all Josh, oh don't we all i want oh, to yeah. shout out um sarah lind obviously is great in the film as is uh, Malin, uh bar who we don't want to give oh, is such a new movie. We're not going to spoil anything, but just suffice it to say, they do great work. Um, it's it's a type of movie where you're getting one movie and it's 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 grabbing you, and then and then all of a sudden you're getting another movie, and it all it all fits. And there's a lot of kind of allegorical elements, and yeah, I think it's one of those horror movies that um, I'm I never I, I I'm a very 
scaredy cat person, as I've said many times in this podcast. Mm -hmm. But I I enjoyed it, and I was able to kind of you know handle all of the gore, and I thought all of the kind of allegorical stuff. It was like an extra little bit of like an extra layer, you know what I mean? So I feel like it, yeah. it, it works as its own thing, and then you get a little bit more. So I think, yeah, solid recommend. Awesome to have you on. And yes, I guess using kind of the Evil Dead reference. Actually, actually, before we do that, I, I have to mention this to you, Josh, just because you're on the podcast. There's a video you did for College Humor, which you did a lot of videos back in the day for. That mm-hmm. I, it's just it, it's so funny, Connor. Do you remember this from mm. college? It's the video is um, the six Uh-oh. ways. I'm gonna make sure I get the title right. Hang on, the six ways you see your dad. Oh, do you yeah. remember yeah. this video? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this video, <laughs> I, I I'll, I'll link to it in the article. Legit and made this me is, weepy when I watched it. That's back what in I'm, the day. <laughs> that's so. This is this is what I'm saying. It's there was a, back in the day. College humor was really like had kind of cornered the market on these like viral. You know, whatever, what four or five minute videos, and it was very yeah, good. Yeah. And you were a big part of that. We have, I feel like we might have mutual friends in, in the New York uh, film world who who worked on it. And my buddy oh, Jake yeah, sure and other do. people. Yeah. Anyway, so this is a long time ago, but that video sneaks up on you, and it's really like pretty well made. Where like by the end of it, you're like, oh god, that's true. Like, and even as a younger <laughs> yeah. person, I remember kind of realizing. And I'm a dad now, so I like rewatch it today, and I was like hell this here we are i'm in the cycle the cycle <laughs> spinning but um i just wanted to bring it up because when i realized that was you i was like oh my god the guy who did scare me which is a movie i really liked <laughs> yeah. and reviewed was that guy he did that you know over a decade ago now so anyway um this I, is we'll what i'm loving about here. like making horror movies now or being in genre i have just as many if not more fans in the college humor now dropout world my right. buddy sam who i grew up with and used to sketch with you know he essentially bought uh, and became college humor I'm recognized probably more for my work on Game Changer and Make Some Noise and stuff, which is just a testament to how that that kind of side of the industry, how his platform's exploding. But I love when comedy fans are like, holy shit, <laughs> you're in you're playing a serial killer. Right. Or uh fans of mine who've um, you know, discovered the serial killer movie or werewolves or whatever. It's like, oh, that director does a whole game show where he does like ridiculous characters and noises. I just love kind of not being pinned down Mm. or that that seems to be how um, my reputation is congealing. Um, So if there's any way I can keep that up in the way that Mark Duplass suddenly was like, I'm going to do creep. I'm like, yes, I'm into that. Right. Well, that's a great reference actually. And I think it's look and nowadays, I think it's a good example of like, uh, it's a good, if you can do it, it's a good way to do it. Right. Where it's like, you have to be pivoting in all these different, you know, within these mediums, you know, these, you know, internet videos, internet shows, movies, right. As much as you can do. And I think you, yeah, like you said, you're smart to kind of branch out, do it. You knew would work. I think, you know, scare me is an easy recommend for me. I think I saw it at, was it Sundance? It must've been right. And I, and, 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 I it was Sundance. Yeah, we debuted at uh, midnight. Yeah. Yeah. Was that that was pre-pandemic? No, that was pre-pandemic. Yeah, Uh, we we were. Yeah. End of January 2020. And I wrapped Werewolves March 9th, 2020. So we were in lockdown the 13th of that week, Friday the 13th. Wow. Wow. Yep. Well, so you wrapped the day before that. We wrapped on March 9th and lockdown was the 13th. Yeah. Wow. So So a few days uh, before. Yeah, and I was like, oh, this is going to be my year. I went from one movie right to another. And then, you know, thank God I had the uh, the routine of editing every day from nine to five in my, my, uh, God, my bedroom. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, that's crazy to even think about. I was in, yeah, I was in Australia on a job. And it was the same that we were like getting oh. ready. To, we were getting ready to go. We were like, "Well, I guess we'll see what happens." And it was like, "Oh, our whole industry is going to change for eighteen full months." And yeah, so that was it was a, a gauntlet for sure. But um, Amen. so, but I guess, but actually, bringing it back to Remy and Campbell, I mean, Bruce Campbell actually kind of was doing a version of this early on, where like he obviously was friends with Raimi at a very young age was in all those early films 
including Crime Wave, which is, you know, just to kind of, I guess, we were going to be a little bit more loosey-goosey on this B-Sides uh, just because, you know, you know, Raimi himself, like we said, it's mostly A-Sides. Crime Wave is the second movie he makes. That'll be our first B-Side. And then we're going to try to hit a couple of the 90s movies, right? The Quick and the Dead obviously comes to mind as a B-Side, though that has a very strong cult following now, uh, currently available on Netflix, actually. And stuff like For Love of the Game, obviously, is is probably a Raimi B-side, you know, just because you would – I feel like it's the movie everybody forgets he made because it's the least yeah, Raimi movie. if you, Raimi if you took movie. the Pepsi challenge with it, you would lose. You know what right. I mean? Like, like you'd be like, oh, it's like a Cameron yeah. Crowe movie, right? Like, or something, you know, like or something, something like, like that. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so those movies I, – I we talked about A Simple Plan. I don't really think A Simple Plan is a B-side because it got Oscar nominations. It's basically a masterpiece. It's like it kind of hard to make that case. But anyway. But The Gift, however, might be different. Yeah. The no, Gift the, is a B-side. The Gift certainly sure. is. one of The first. The Gift is actually one of the first uh, movies we ever covered on this podcast, Josh, because we did wow. – Ke- we, we listed in among our Keanu Reeves uh, B-sides. But uh, when you when you mentioned that uh, in our in our email thread, I, I did smile because I, I have a, a strong fondness for that movie. Um, yeah, I, Keanu, I just don't believe him as a shitty abuser. You know, what can I say? Yeah, <laughs> he's, no, too nice. totally. he's too nice. He's too nice. Yeah, it's it's a it's a brave attempt. I mean, we'll say that, I think, in the movie. Did you what is your do you like the gift overall or what do you what do you what's your I guess? uh you know, general thoughts on that one. The last time I saw it, I remember thinking after really enjoying it or feeling super affected by it, whatever, when I was 15 or something. Sure. Yeah. When I revisited it many a year later, at least a decade, I remember starting to be aware of the filmmaking, say, missed swings mm, um, sure. that just where it just didn't swing. But it, but, it, but it is always fun to, you know, there's sort of a whodunit element. It was fun. I remember seeing Gary Cole, I think, in a yeah. doctor role. Yeah, yeah. Hillary Swank, you know, with a mullet and and if I remember correctly, and you know, yep. Kate Blanchett. I mean, come on, like there was some cool imagery in it for sure. And it's nice to see Raimi's touch on pretty much anything. Um, yeah, it's an interesting uh, moment. I mean, I know, you know, obviously the blank check podcast recently did Raimi and they talked some about this, and you know, you can obviously listen to that in, in more in depth, but obviously it's so it, for so many of those people, it's a funny inflection point, right? Because Raimi's basically getting spider-man while that's happening and blanchett's that's that run right after elizabeth where it's like oh my god here she is kate blanchett and wow, a lot of those movies right. don't and a lot of those movies don't really hit so it's that weird thing of like you know it's like a common thing right where it's like you ha- elizabeth is this huge pronouncement and then not until the aviator it, you know I, I guess lord of the rings is in there i don't want to forget yeah, about that no. but other than galadriel it's like her starring roles aren't really hitting. And then, you know, the aviator, she gets the Oscar and then it's kind of off to the races. Um, so it's just an interesting right. timepiece, if, you know, if anything else. But bring it back. Um, what is it about Raimi, Josh, that you love, you know, as, as a filmmaker yourself? And then we can kind of fade into to Crime Wave while we talk about this. What is it about him that I guess you respond to so much? It's... um. It's a, there's a wickedness of pacing and energy uh, and a looseness, I think, that I super respond to. I want to say that it was it might have been Mick Garris who phrased it this way recently. I can't remember what the interview was, but he his use of the camera to make the camera a character in that kind of Barry Sonnenfeld like way. And of course, those guys all came sort of from the same mm-hmm. um, nucleus, pool, yeah. Uh, yeah. the same pool. Exactly. Um, I think it's that it just reeks of a sense of humor, um, yeah. and, and a looseness and an experimentation without being, you know, oh, an art film. It's somehow still, still entertaining, uh, or it's it, 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 immensely entertaining, um, in its wickedness and its pacing and all. Uh, and I, you know, it's, I, I think we as kids, if you discover that, especially at a young age, that impressionable age, you just kind of go, my God, I could put this in and rewatch it again and again and again. I mean, Crime Wave may have been the very first Raimi thing I ever saw. Wow. Um, okay. And I was very affected. And I didn't see the whole thing. And I, I will, you know, spoiler alert, I couldn't make it through the whole thing this time. It's like, wow, you know, it's a bit of a doozy. But the imagery yeah. <laughs> and the ideas and the concepts mm. and the play within it is just 
it's infectious uh and it kind of makes you go like oh that this this dude is this dude is an artist and he's uncompromising in his artistry and i think yeah it's yeah go ahead god no i was just gonna say i think to piggyback off of that like I do think you can see the differences, you know, he's, I think, one of those directors, and this is not a knock on him or whatever. Some directors are very good at hiding when they're like, not really feeling it. Right. And, and, yeah. uh, but I don't know if he is one of those, because I do think it's, he's a really good work for hire director, to be clear. But like, you can see when he's like, truly passionate about something. And you can see when, like, to your point, that, like, infectious thing comes through, right? Because, like, you watch the Evil Dead movies, Truly. particularly the earlier ones. And I would argue even, I, like, he... Uh, he I, I love Army Darkness, he, too. Though. He yeah. hated, uh, clearly, I guess, apparently, allegedly, every minute of, like, the production of Crime Wave because they're coming off Evil Dead. It's his first, like, real job with, like, a studio and, like, a responsibility. Well, to, notes. To, yeah, yeah know, exa notes, exa exactly. Know, like. <laughs> and, so, and so he hated a lot about that. But I do think there's still some of that, like, infectious, inventive spirit that's, like, bleeding through the movie that's, like, there in yeah. Evil Dead, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And 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 is there, you know, ever like obviously he gets Spider-Man, which like really, really skyrockets him to like a different sort of part of the stratosphere. But even then and, and even those movies feel infected by Sam Raimi. Right. That's why they're great. Right. Like they you can feel yeah. kind of his passion for the thing. Um, and yeah, Crime Wave it. So I'll just I'll give as much as is possible. Yeah. Keep I'll it give broad. It's hard. Yeah. It's a I'll hard movie our, to follow. I'll give our listeners a little bit of the plot. Um, I was like rewatching today and I was like, what happened again? I was like, it's so hard I to follow. Yeah. It's, a, it's a toughie. <laughs> I enjoyed my my watch of it. I had not seen it. And I actually yeah, read, young, I, young Reed Bernie I, is yeah, like the ostensible lead. He's a man named Victor Ajax. What a sure. name. Uh, he's Classic. been sentenced to death in kind of a frame story type type situation. And um, so the movie opens with him, you know, basically getting walked to the electric chair and he has a flashback to sort of everything that led to this, the titular crime wave, let's say, that led to this, that he is now on death row for, where he was working for two men who are essentially parting ways as business partners. And one of them has hired the most comical of killers, uh, sets of killers, to kill the other one, right? Yeah. Now, these killers ultimately wind up killing both men and then going on essentially a crime wave that is like Classic. that is essentially Classic. it right and meanwhile victor uh has fallen in love with um louis lasser well she's louis lasser's the wife of the, the oh sorry she's yeah. elaine lind yes. i'm sorry yeah, yeah. she's the wife yes, of yes, one yes. of the one of the business owners who gets killed okay who, who, yes. wit who witnesses it and right, then right, right. um but he does he falls for uh shuri j wilson who plays nancy right. Um, and is is sort of out on a date with Bruce Campbell, who plays uh, the he the heel, yeah, right? The heel. His name's <laughs> Ronaldo. And Ronaldo. I will say Bruce Campbell firing on all cylinders in this movie. It is. Oh, my it God. Is, truly. It is just it is, such a thing. Also, to it's like a bummer. He's not in more of it. Actually, you're yeah. watching it today. Briefly, I was I was reminded kind of he was supposed to be Victor. Right. And, and I, yes. Yeah. And then it, things got a little hairy. And I think to the point of the larger issue of the money people and, and Raimi being kind of an inexperienced, you know, inexperienced in that part of the business, I think that all came to a head and ended up kind of infecting the production and and um, having to kind of demote Campbell for political reasons, I think, was kind of, kind of what happened. So yeah, that dude always gets the short end of the stick. I mean, it's like, yeah, the dude wanted to be dark man. The dude had did in this situation. He, he would have been so he would have been so good. At least he's dark producing man. the new one now. You know, he's producing Evil Dead Rise. He's getting some more skin in the game. Yeah. Yeah, and he's been, I think he his energy or his his uh, you know, yeah, energy's uh, yeah, his energy's about it. I feel uh, is like very like um amazingly positive like i would encourage people to like you know look to bruce campbell's like optimism about his career where it's like he's had an amazing career right and like you could certainly be like wow so many missed opportunities but also he is fully aware of you know 
all of the you know just being ash and having these kind of cult tv shows he's been able yeah, to be a part sure. of and so i always love i always love that that's also part of it that he can be very much like hey look i'm like i'm a lucky guy but you're not yeah. wrong i mean he he's there's like a million stories um about like you know uh near misses for him in his career but yeah and then just to kind of just take the pass from you connor it's yeah. like yeah, it's a manic, you know, it's a manic picture. It kind of feels like 75% of a movie. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you get some great moments with Brian James, obviously, who's one of the hitmen you mentioned. You know, is it Edward Pressman, who's one of the, he's, uh, right? Isn't it Edward, yes. Edward R. Pressman, who's the producer on the film? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's also he's, uh, one yeah, of the, he's one uh, of the business, business owners. owners. Yeah. Who I think he's married to Louise Lasser in yes. the film. and. It just doesn't really congeal in any way, but you can, like you were <laughs> yeah. saying earlier, you can see what he's going to do. And I would argue, I know everybody loves the Evil Dead movies, and and, and I and I totally totally get that. And, I, and Josh, this is probably, you know, you'd I imagine you'd agree with me. For me, you know, when you talk about early Raimi, the peak is Darkman. I think Darkman, when you talk about the energy, the resources, you know, Raimi loving what he's doing and seeing it on screen. It feels like that all comes together in Dark Man, where it's really like he's yes. basically creating this superhero. He's doing it his way. It's a. It's basically a. It, I don't know if it was a hit, but it was like it made money, right? And I think I mean, that was a surprise for the studio. Yeah, That's like, what I mean. It was. Like, it was like enough of a enough of a moment, and like obviously now is like continues to. I feel like you know, garner fans and respect. So I guess, Josh, because I know you love Darkman, what, what is, I mean, talk to us about Darkman for a second. What do you think about that? It's, it's horror Batman. I think yeah. that's why when I was a kid, you know, introduced to horror by my sister um, through the quote unquote cartoon character, as far as I'm concerned, of Freddy Krueger, mm. to discover Freddy Krueger, you know, I think the first one I watched was Dream Warriors, which was essentially a horror cartoon. And then even everything after the fact, I don't know how I could stomach all of it, but I loved Freddie. I wanted to be his friend. By that point, he was a <laughs> be, he was a caricature cartoon. Truly, he was he was long gone? Was was Craven's? Uh, I think an intended uh, uh, horror icon, horror character. To also love Batman and and have Batman eighty nine be such an indelible part of my upbringing, mm. you know, collecting the action figures and everything else. You got to remember at the end of the eighties, early nineties, we were kids. Certainly, when I was a kid, yeah, wanting masks, wanting nothing more yeah. than to have you know put a new face on. Halloween masks were like a big thing. Um, it just everything uh, the vent that Venn diagram uh, perfect storm of Darkman, there was just something about it, even just seeing the poster art in the, vi the video store when I was a kid. I was like, oh, that's a scary superhero. I think I probably saw it on the on the cover. I was like, that looks like, you know, such a great poster. Batman. Yeah, the poster, the poster. poster and then like you turn the thing over and it's like, wait a minute. So the front is a superhero in front of a flaming building. Yeah. And then in the back, you see a piece of a scarred sort of horror Freddy-like face. Mm. And that's why I popped the thing in. And so I, uh, why Darkman's kind of come back into the fray for me is I remembered, I think this was now a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago. I suddenly, it suddenly snapped to me just thinking about, you know, everybody's always like as a filmmaker, what IP you want to get into? What, yeah, what sure, you sure. Nowadays, anything yeah. you're thinking and I remember that I used to watch this movie again and again and again until I might as well warn the VHS out. And um, I I bought it on iTunes and I started watching. I was like, holy shit, this is incredibly rewatchable. It holds up mm -hmm. like gangbusters. And um, I just essentially started tweeting about it and wouldn't shut up about it. And now people who – you know, pitch on that IP. I think the reason why the IP is now being pitched on is because I wouldn't shut the fuck up about um, about it. And people have have gone like, "Oh, why wouldn't pitch on that?" Josh is doing that, um, which I'm That's not funny. <laughs> officially in any means. Um, but uh, but I really want to play yet. in that world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to. I mean, that is uh, truly. I think Darkman is my white whale because right. that world is everything I love about horror, everything I love about comedy, and everything I, I love about kind of wickedness pacing and entertainment and filmmaking and so i want to return to that world and you know put sort of a degree of my stamp on it but i think i understand that um i love the horror and the humor part of it and that's what he's trying to do and, and he did it very successfully now here 
Now, here's a question. Would you settle for remaking Darkman 3, Die, Darkman, Die, with Arnold <laughs> Vosloo as Darkman, if you remember? I mean, if it made the money that Rob Tappert said that it did, Rob Tappert said that, you know, both of those sequels made a lot of money. Um, they do have the best. The- they do have the best subtitles. Oh, yeah. Who oh my God. You know what I mean? Like the, I do love those. Uh, those. I had, a, yeah, I, mean, I had a running joke with a buddy for a long time where like if we were listing the sequel to a movie, we any movie, we would just subtitle it The Return of Durant. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great the idea. The Return of Durant. I, I, so, so yeah, Darkman for a long time was almost like, I mean, hey, Wounded Fawn reference. It was like a little thing in my head forever of like i I couldn't tell you when i saw it first but it was always it was like this not trauma because i loved it but this like thing i always remembered and then like at some point when i was a teenager i caught it again and i probably couldn't have then even then articulated what it was about it aside from the horror elements i suppose but that really, just bringing it back to Raimi's camera and even just connecting it to Crime Wave. Yeah. Your comment, Josh, referencing uh, you know uh, somebody else about the camera being a character. Yeah. That's yeah. such a great and specific Raimi thing that I think it is. It's it's and and like you know, gender we're running all over the place and that's okay. Like the Quick and the Dead right came out a few years after um, Dark Man. And that was like a real studio movie, right? She, mm-hmm. You know, A-lister, Sharon Stone, kind of her baby a little bit. They got Kind Gene of at Hackman. the peak of her powers, basically. Yeah, really. I yeah. mean, it really is basically kind of the beginning of the end of the peak of Sharon Stone, 95. <laughs> um, and that movie got really trashed. I was going back today and reading all the reviews by like by, by like by like people who still write like Gleiberman, yeah. Mick LaSalle. Like, you I know, think a not, lot I'm of that not, had to – I think a lot of that – was people gunning for Sharon Stone, if I'm being honest? Like, well, I was gonna say, yeah. I think you get a little bit of that, you know, not not well hidden misogyny or whatever you want to call it. It's it's in that ballpark for sure, especially with Sharon Stone when you go back there. But then, but then next to it, like I would read reviews that were like, well, it's you know, Sam Raimi's parody western, you know, like you know, oh, it's no unforgiven, yeah. uh, yeah. and you kind of read these reviews and you're like, it almost took this like larger body of people to finally realize that like Raimi like him fucking around was him not fucking around where it yeah. was like you know yeah I guess it was bad luck that like Clint Eastwood redefine the form of the western three years before the quick and the dead <laughs> with, Gene, with Gene Hackman <laughs> with Gene Hackman well, right. yeah. 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 yeah which certainly you can't plan for that and I guess that is what it is but it was just so funny is like you know Dark Man the quick and the dead these movies like name me a more entertaining movie that's the thing about yeah. it like i was just like watching the quick and the dead earlier and i'm just kind of like you can laugh i guess in some incredulous way about these camera moves but i don't really understand why you're not enjoying them right yeah. because no one's doing it with as much kinetic energy not in that world th- in that not, world not, not in that production design not not in a western that's probably the only kind of western or even period piece I could watch is through a Raimi esque, you know, kind of like a heightened yeah. lens, kind of yeah, atmosphere, sure, yeah. And I mean, you like the co- you know, and obviously the Coen brothers, like you mentioned, Sonnenfeld, all these guys, they all are of a piece in some respect, and kind of you know, obviously the Coens have a have a writing credit on Crime Wave, um, you know. Oh, you, you see, mean Hudsucker Prison didn't give right, it away? As I'm saying, you know, Hudsucker Hudsucker <laughs> Prison yeah. is the name of the prison, right? You see all these things, and there's a lot yeah. of you know Ra- Raimi cameos in some of their movies of course right Right. so miller's crossing is i guess another movie in a more subdued coen brothers sardonic way that's doing that in a period lens and it's a noir so you can kind of do more um you know but you're right i mean even to this day aside from i would say maybe more like eastern westerns right like you know in 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 the in the realm of asian cinema maybe you see something more like quick and the dead in terms of that type of yeah. exciting filmmaking and hyper you know violent and funny um but yeah it's just it's funny how it took people and it's almost like he had to get serious and make a simple plan and mm. then and then like get respectable and then get spider-man 
for then everybody to be like, oh, you know, they, you yeah. know he's always been, he's always well, been really good. And then it blossoms, <laughs> like, and then it blossoms into Spider Man Two, which is like the. The like a full, benchmark like yeah. the full-on raimi like you know there are whole, right right there are there... i knocked the first one out of the park yeah. now we're gonna go full nobody's on telling I mean, me that, what that to do yeah. Gawk, like uh yeah there's the a full-on scene, horror I mean, scene in the, in the middle yeah. yeah in the middle of the movie right yeah. like and i think well that that's i think kind of the thing back to what i was saying before about like the the infectiousness that seeps through when he's passionate about a thing. I think it's also like it comes across and this is true of any movie, frankly, but like it comes across when everybody seems fully in on it. Right. Like, and I think like, I think the problem with crime wave honestly, isn't even really like a tone thing. It's a, it's a pure like structure thing, right? Like it just can't hang together. Right. But I do think scenes within themselves work really well because it does feel like everybody's in on it and like on the same page, right? Like when Paul L. Smith is like pulling a rug out from under, um, out from under Louise Lasser or whatever. Like yes. th- yeah. those sequences yes. are like, every- well, when the guy, when the guy comes out of the, of like the utility closet. Yeah. And he like turns around and he's like, ah, oh, it's a, yeah. like that stuff. There, no, there, <laughs> those there are, are tons moments, of jokes. Yeah. There are tons of jokes that right. on their own land really well in crime wave. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that, and yeah. so that it's, it's more just, I think a general thing of like getting it at all to kind of hang together from a, a script standpoint. But, I think like when you get to dark man, like the reason dark man rules is because like Liam Neeson and Francis McDormand, like they feel like they get it. You know what I mean? Like they just feel well, it's like a love story. There's actually something to hold on to yeah. here. It, um, uh, it's pretty clean as, as yeah. a lot of industry people is a word. Everybody uses that for some reason. It's, it's just simply digestible. Mm-hmm. It's horror and heart. It does what Raimi wanted it to do, yeah. even though he had a traumatic time making it, it harkens back to the universal monster dynamic of yeah. heart and horror romance and gore. And it, it, it's that thing of, you know, not only are they aware of it, but also it kind of go. We we did an episode on uh, on Brian De Palma, right? Who I feel like operates in the same sort of headspace as Sam Raimi. You know, they're not the same filmmaker, but there's this thing of I think that their earnestness gets confused, kind of for like a cheekiness and it's not that there isn't a cheekiness there but it's that well, they're like, like they're they're like goofball yeah everything feels heightened so everything feels right. goofy so people don't know how to react but what's actually there is like a filmmaker earnestly conveying an emotion like a deeply felt thing right and i think that's what's so interesting about dark man i think that's what's so interesting about particularly the second spider-man movie like everything and even if i'm being honest like portions of the third spider-man movie like there are things that come off as goofy because they're heightened but it is it is purely because raimi just i think feels them so intently and and uses that camera to get them on the screen in a heightened and insane way but like even in quick and the dead you know not actually i don't want to spoil it because like if listener if you haven't seen it you should watch it it's super entertaining and it's great but there's, Wait, the flashback stuff is crazy is is amazing and Very, it, it tees up so well yeah. pays off so well i think it does. In, in the third really and final does. flashback and like dicaprio who's like spitting fire the whole movie and you're kind of like i don't know about this guy has one of the most like deeply felt scenes probably in the younger half of his career in that yeah. movie um and i think that's well, all and, you know, part and of him and, like yeah him and crow like crow you know if you don't know like russell those are one of russell crow's first american films um he's so handsome in it he's so charming him and sharon stone have a kind of a great camaraderie one thing i wanted to mention just because we're on the subject josh as a filmmaker yourself i feel like you kind of get it some of that tonal stuff in scare me where like you know, obviously your co-star in that movie, Aya Cash, like she's really delivering. She's like, and I, I'm sure you guys talked about this plenty. She's like jostling between, you know, because it gets scary in that movie, but it's also very funny. And I feel like a lot is on her to, to like, you know, shift and pivot and like sell it. And there's kind of a, 
a little bit of a cat and mouse thing happening and yin and yang and, and a lot of kind of different themes going on. But she has to anchor so many of these kind of tonal shifts, even within scenes. And it is there is a Raimi thing happening there, I, I would say, you know, I mean, thank you. Yeah, I think I think what that is, is and why people can hang on to it is, um, you know, it would have failed if it were just a gimmick movie. What if it, you know, yes, yeah. it's a it's a composer's movie and a sound designer's movie. And the gimmick is it's an anthology movie that that doesn't leave the campfire. Um, and that is kind of, you could say, inventive to a degree and inspired by many a thing. It's many inspired by the fact we didn't have a budget. Um, but <laughs> but the uh, the reason why it holds on and, you know, it's you could say the same thing for really anything any filmmakers done, Raimi included, despite the style of it all, is it has to be a great story or at least a really good uh, uh, there has to be a good story. I was about to say plot, but that's not the the, the plot is the plot is the, the the broad strokes. The story is you know what 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 of it sticks to your ribs. It's a movie right. about you know uh, uh, gender dynamics and about the uh, and a, a competitive emasculated male in the face of a genius. That is what the movie's about. Um, and you can apply all the style and, and inventiveness you want to that. The same thing with Darkman. It's really a love story. That's like his drive for everything mm -hmm. that, you know, Peyton Westlake still loves this woman and is also battling with madness, battling with the fact that he's lost his hands um, to a degree, you know, that he that built his career. Um, and uh, and he's he's full of rage and sort of at odds with who he really is that's a really really interesting story you have to you have to nail that and then you can apply all the style i i've definitely written style first so many times and hit page 33 sure you know like a fucking train wreck realizing like oh my god wait i i, I don't know what i'm saying i'm not writing angry which is a film I, or a, a term i like to use if you're not writing angry you're not saying something oh, no one mm, is gonna yeah. want to see it that's you know, good advice. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. You got to know what the heartbeat is. Um, yeah. That's such a common. Yeah. It's such a common. You're right. I mean, just structurally writing. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, I can relate to that too. It's just like where you get into it and you're like, here we go, baby. I got it. And then you're like, actually, I don't got it. Right. You're like, what, what, what is it that I'm trying to get? Um, yeah. That's a real thing. It is a real thing for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, I guess bringing it back to Remy, I think. Yeah, Darkman certainly feels like some sort of peak early on that kind of, you know, foreshadows, you know, even larger peaks with, you know, like Connor, you said Spider-Man 2 and whatnot. I think, yeah, you know, we mentioned The Gift, which I think is kind of this Southern Gothic thing that we mentioned comes at a weird time in his career. It came out in 2000. Um, not all of that holds together. I, I do like that movie a, a quite a bit. Um, so... I'm not, I won't, I won't pretend to, I won't pretend to over criticize just because that movie, um, I feel, I feel like it was when I saw it, it was like one of those that kind of knocked me back. I was like, oh, wow, this is really interesting. Just the element of, you know, the whodunit plus the, you know, her psychic abilities, you know, the kind of gothic aesthetic to it are all really work for me, though. Yeah, there's some very kind of dubious casting decisions and, and stuff you can really kind of uh, definitely poke at. Um, <laughs> sure. Like, but another one, just even, you know, kind of just touching on all of these 90s B-side adjacent Raimi movies. I'm a, Look, I grew up loving baseball, Kevin Costner, what have you. I've always loved For Love of the Game. And what's funny about that movie is like you would never, like we said, you would never think of it as a Raimi movie. But the baseball stuff in that movie is... I would put the baseball scenes in that movie up against the baseball scenes in any other baseball movie, right? Like, yeah. And I think the, some of yeah. that has to do with him. That I think that's the one of the only elements in the movie where he's really able to sneak in and and be Raimi. Well, the camera doing yeah, things. Yeah, the camera and... becomes the it becomes the character. Oh, I. I won't say it I becomes think a see, character, I think but can, it's certainly it's like Costner and the camera become one in those sequences. Well, right? and, and look, and look with Costner, obviously this is you know well documented. I think obviously Raimi is not a precious filmmaker as much as he has a, a, a vulgar, a vulgar, a vulgar auteurist 
thing happening. Yeah. I, I think he's less precious than other filmmakers of his ilk. So I think when you have Costner as your lead, Costner's always going to direct a little bit. Right. I think is a pr- right. is a pretty well known. Yeah, yeah. It's like making a Tom about Cruise Costner. movie. It's like yeah, making, I mean, yeah, it's that kind of so thing. So I think yeah. I think it kind of works maybe because Raimi was like, all right, this guy's gonna make some calls here. Yeah. You know, the guy who made like you know three out of the four biggest baseball movies is gonna like <laughs> have an idea about this and that. And I think, but I think it works. I think it's kind of an underrated movie. I would say you know, it's. You know, but, I, I like I like it as well. I have a soft spot for it. It is, as we say on the show, I mean, deeply mechacore, right? Deeply yes, Dan yes, mechacore. Yes. Very, very but, my, my but, shit. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, I think it is actually a great baseball movie and like an okay, an okay romance an okay yeah. to good romance and so in 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 the mix of that in the aggregate you get which what, actually I, what I would say Josh, is a pretty good movie. And to your larger to your point earlier, that's maybe an example of the story not really sticking together because that's that's a romance that's meant to kind of congeal the whole thing that doesn't quite doesn't quite work um have you read I the will, book dan i i will admit no 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 i nor, nor um, have I. I'd, I'd be curious to know how it reads but 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 yeah, I, what I, I love about the existence of for for love of the game, I always want to say for the love of the game. Um, sure, it's you and everybody yeah. who's ever <laughs> said the title. Yeah. But what I love about the existence of that movie, and I said this to you, Dan, uh, the other day, as I was just rewatching a bunch of the movies from this stretch of his career, is as much as Raimi does get put on that sort of rightful podium of like of just one of the great Mount Rushmore sort of like nerd auteurs, right? Between his work on the Evil Dead movies, his horror movies, let's say, let's include Drag Me to Hell in there, right? Like his work on his horror movies, plus his work on the Spider-Man films that, and everyone, you know, uses those as a means of pointing to the other movies being like, yeah, it's got a little Raimi in it. And I, you know, Dark Man's included in that as well. Like, I think there is the other half of his career where he is a like sturdy, solid workman sure. director. Right. And not a lot of I think the people that get put in his camp in that vulgar auteur way get also recognized as that solid workman director. Right. And I think it's the thing that allows him, like you said, to kind of maybe step back in certain situations, whether it's to Sharon Stone or Kevin Costner. Right. And well, just collaborate. And, I yeah. Think. I mean, yeah. not to you know, he's not. You know, I'm not saying he's, you know, acquiescing and like getting the movie taken from him. I just think it's that thing of like, you know, being, a, you know, understanding what the collaboration needs in the context of whatever the project is sure. you're working with. You know, and I think, like you said, Josh, you know, Darkman was a tortuous, torturous production and a, and a tough post production, if I'm remembering. I feel like that was there was a lot of doubt. Oh yeah, it was terrible. They they ended up sneaking. I think it was Rob Tabard who ultimately ultimately saved the, the day because right? Raimi was just yeah. so shredded. But like, um, yeah, they 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 switched the cut from what was quote unquote agreed on uh, after right. much of fight at the last second, tested it uh, or screened it as like the test the the press screening or some shit, and um, right. they got in a lot of trouble. But boy, did the test way better than whatever garbage heap they would have made them present uh, previously, and. That, you know, that was pretty major. It's just kind of what you're saying. Just to go back on the like the uh, workman director of it all. It's interesting. There's some stuff he did that felt like clearly was a gig or or either was like, no, let me try and just test the waters the way that Wes Craven did. You know, like, let me me take a swing in a genre that I'm not quite known for so I don't get pigeonholed. Um, But, uh, yeah, I'm. I, I don't know. I think there's that's that's super, super respectable. And I, I can I can imagine myself being in a situation where it's like, you know, you're you're not always going to get those great scripts. You're not always going to have the time to mm-hmm. write your evil dead every year, every few years. And uh, it's 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 tricky to sit there and wait for one that's like halfway decent. So I, I'm I'm curious which of those ones fell in his lap as gigs versus what he would have preferred to jump into. You know, if he was excited about. Yeah, we did we did Craven last year, and I think Craven's actually a good, obviously a, a totally different type of filmmaker, but was able to. I mean, I guess to not. I suppose not to the same level of success as Raimi, but like, yeah, music of the heart you mentioned and vampire in Brooklyn are the ones people mention as like Wes doing something different. 
But even like the wow. serpent and the rainbow, like like he was always searching. Mm. He was. He for was. He took more. some people under the stairs. I mean, you're gonna people under the stairs from that movie come is on. so good. <laughs> I keep saying everybody who talks about Barbarian, which is very good. I'm always like, yo. Watch people under the stairs. You like yeah. Barbarian. Yeah. Watch fucking people under the stairs. That, that, that would make a banger double feature at like American Cinematheque. Wouldn't it? Let's I, make wouldn't it happen. Yeah. Let's make it yeah. happen. Seriously, that would be a great. Oh, God. I love the people under the stairs. I like, like I said before, I do not claim to be a horror person, but that's a movie where I was like, this movie is great. Right. Yeah. Like the social commentary is like not shoved in your face, but it's like very, there. It's, very, it's very, present. very present. Yeah. 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 And, um, and I think, uh, yeah, it's an interesting you just bring up Craven because I think totally it's like, well, well something, uh, Josh, obviously you could probably guess with the con- the the sub- subject matter we cover with the B-sides and everything. We always fight against the kind of, we think, feel like unfair categorization of like workman director being a bad thing. Where No, it's like, I think, it, I, yeah, I, I don't mean it as a negative. It's, no, no, that's what I'm saying. We, there's we, something to be like, said oh, no, for no. delivering on time and under budget. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's, totally. That's a skill. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. That, but the yeah. point being like, but like these, you know, these, the people you would think of and we talk about them just because we're always talking about these types of movies, like your Jonathan Mostows, your, you know, Gregory Hoblitz, whatever, like, you know, they're making these programmer type movies that don't really exist in the same way anymore, obviously, in today's kind of landscape, which, you know, which is a shame in some ways. And obviously, a lot of that's on TV now, but um, that's art, right? I mean, that's art in its own way. And I think, yeah, Raimi, I think, stands above the rest that he was able to do both. Because I think, to your point, Josh, like a simple plan, I think he seeks that one out in some respect. It's given to him, but I think he sees a real opportunity there to make this kind of you know and to challenge himself because the camera doesn't really himself. move in that movie and uh, i think which he makes is, a great right. movie you know what i mean and i think a movie that speaking of movies that have aged well right you know mentioning dark man a simple plan has aged amazingly well i right? also I think. think that movie simple yeah, plan has just i you know he came up alongside the Coen brothers um obviously like we mentioned and and I find it funny to like watch a simple plan because for my money, that's like, it's like the best Coen brothers movie that wasn't made by the Coen brothers. You know, like it's got, it's like, like the, sh- it's the charade of, of the Coen brothers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right, right. It, like that thing. Right. If, yeah. If charade is the best Alfred Hitchcock movie that yeah, wasn't made make. by Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and, um, and I love that movie too, but to the point where it's, it, you can see, things rubbing off right like just in turn you know i don't i can't speak to how much they like kept to keep in touch kept in touch you know in terms of their influences or what they were doing but it does feel of a piece with their movies which i think is funny to the extent that the billy bob thornton scene at the end i mentioned these this to you dad but the billy, billy bob thornton scene with bill paxton at the end of a simple plan is like the inverse of the John Turturro, Gabriel Byrne scene in Miller's Crossing. Like it's right, like look this, into your, the inverse of the look into your heart yeah, scene. Yeah. They're driven by completely different motivations, but, yeah. um, but it's this fascinating little thing. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, like if that's one of his, to your point, Dan, like that, he was given that. And, but if that's one of it, like if that's a good exa- an example of like Sam Raimi working for hire, then like more power to him. You know what I mean? Like, He's um, yeah. it's same thing with Quick and the Dead, right? Like he was handpicked by Sharon Stone uh, after she saw Army of Darkness to make right. that to make that movie. And obviously, th- and thankfully, like she had enough clout that she exercised in all the right ways to allow that movie to just look and feel like a Sam Raimi movie. Right. What I what I do, what I do love is we were talking about the actors buying in. What, one thing I do love about the Quick and the Dead is Gene Hackman clearly did not buy in, but luckily he was Gene Hackman, so it didn't matter. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's he's, like he's, it can helps do when you're he the greatest actor who's ever lived, maybe. Like, <laughs> he's, just, he's like, look, Raimi, I don't really know what you're doing, but I'm just going to keep being great and you can just record it. And, there's you know. an anecdote. There's an anecdote where, like, I think one of their first interactions on set, Raimi kind of gave him instruction you know, as if he would have been directing Bruce Campbell, right? Where he's like, yeah, you're going to go. You're going to sit like, down in the chair. Yeah. You're gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, he, yeah. he goes. You'll quickly find that out. He, he goes <laughs> He goes through He goes through the whole thing. And then literally Hackman just goes, I'm not going to do any of that. <laughs> like, 
Dude. So funny. <laughs> yeah, he was never. It's like it's like Wes Anderson and him uh, uh, clashing. Right. Uh, yes. On, Famously. Uh, yeah. Tenenbaums. 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 Yeah. He's just like he did not understand the technical feat that it needed to be because he's like uh, of the Strasbourg era or whatever. Exactly. Um, it's it's incredible. I love hearing stories like that. Just like two complete masters just completely well, missing each other. Yeah. But that's the there's a beauty in that, right? Where it's like you got like Hackman's like, listen, kid, me and Schatzberg and Pacino went into Central Park in 71 and made a masterpiece. And like, what are you talking about? A lens swap. It's like, I don't know, dude. It's like, Gene, just go with yeah. me, Gene. Hackman is Please, so I beg fucking good in that movie, though. Like, well, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, but uh, Josh, I mean, to your point, two masters. I mean, if it can be lucky enough to be. You know, Ramey Hackman, Wes Anderson, you know, and Hackman, you know, it can work, obviously, you know, but, um, no, but absolutely. have you, 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 I imagine in your, you know, obviously still early career, the collaborations have been pretty seamless, right? It feels like you're, you're, the energy on your movies feel very like in sync to me, like werewolves, I've been you're dealing very, with very like lucky. 15 yeah, the actors. Only time it never worked was John C. McGinley having a total fucking meltdown on a speed stick commercial. Um, but oh, otherwise, uh, interesting. Yeah, he was a real bastard, but otherwise, everybody else has been great. Um, <laughs> he was channeling uh, I mean, this is the uh, thing. Cox or what's the name? For uh, the yeah, Scrubs exa- character. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, I, we're not on the rock, bud. Um, uh, <laughs> we're not stuck in a hotel and identity. You're gonna be fine. Well, um, oh, my God, Good Paul. which is why it's so sad because I fucking love him and I love identity. And then I was like so excited to meet him. And, you know, normally 99.9% of the time, I got to say most actors are great and they're down and they just want to be told what to do and they and they want to go home. And, and you know, why go out of your way to be a bastard? You know, I, it's so funny, though. I say that because me and Connor work, you know, in, in the world, we a lot, a lot, a lot of speed stick like stuff right we'll say that right so like i always say to people though like it is true like people will ask you right they'll be like oh what was you know blah 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 like kind of waiting for you to be like fuck it he fucking sucks like you know and it's true it's not really 99 percent of the time it's like these are just people who are like look man tell and, me what and i need like to do total pros most oh, yeah. of the time i like, want to get yeah. out of here but like i'm not going to be a dick about it just tell me what's up I've worked with all of them. All of them are great. And it, it's so funny. There's the, the only one, at least in my experience, and I find that this is typically what the experience is across the board, is they're B-level actors who haven't quite hit or who, who they're certainly never, as in my experience, never the movie star. It's It wasn't uh, Kevin Hart, who I just worked with, who is phenomenal. Um, it's definitely not my buddy Ben Schwartz. Right. Noah Segan is great. I mean, it's like, but there are some, especially if they're like aging out or there's a certain mentality or sure. there's an old school kind of, um, I don't know, bro yes, level thing um, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think that, you know, especially probably that feeling of aging out and, and being like a, you know, a B level or utility actor. Sometimes mm. it's those guys that walk onto smaller sets and want you to know, how important they are and that that just doesn't fly with me what i do when i whenever i do a film is i uh, obviously have meetings with everyone i did this on werewolves specifically i certainly did it with aya and chris as well i said how do you like to be talked to mm-hmm. how do you like to be directed we get on the phone or we have a meeting tell me tell me all of the things i need to know so that we don't get to set and you're uncomfortable what can yeah. i do to make yeah. you comfortable in advance of that and you bet your ass I'm doing asshole checks in between all that. I'm talking to my casting director. I'm talking to buddies. I'll DM you on Instagram and say, I see you have worked on this thing with this. One. Um, and that's uh, it's what you got to do because it's like t- time is fucking money. We all just want to like get the thing in the can and get back to our families, figure out the next thing and keep going. And this is why you see so many directors, especially someone like Ramey, who knows Campbell will come in and just do what needs to be done. Yeah technically to get the thing made you know to to hit the light a certain way whatever it is whatever needs to get done to get it done and uh you yeah. know and and hopefully i'll continue working and find my troop as we keep going but i i would work with everyone i've ever worked with um flat out again and put them in a whole other movie just just jumble everybody and uh create a new cast put them all in dark man 
you know? Yeah. Put them all in Dark we'll, Man. We'll I, put I, the vibes I, I'd be Dark Man. Yeah, Aya yeah. I, I is Dark Man. I mean, she played, a, yeah. she played a, a great superhero on The Boys, right? Like, she basically like, did it. She was the villain. That's yeah, how she was be great the hero. She on that still season. have burn. Yeah, yeah burn she could be great. Yeah, yeah, right. She had the burn rank. My God, you're right. She was like... Just like two two steps away from Darkman in that in that show, um, so I guess I want to we don't want to keep you too long, Josh. We appreciate you taking the time to talk about Raimi with us. I want to bring it back to you as we kind of wrap up. Obviously, we mentioned a Wounded Fawn, which, like we said, you can watch now on Shutter as you go into the holidays. Worth your time, as we mentioned. Definitely, kind of a very unique and but also like I said, kind of accessible horror movie, which I think is so nice. And I feel like this has been a great year for horror. So the fact that, that you know, this this movie stands out among, you know, these yeah. other great movies that have come out is is a testament. And um and your two films you've directed, uh well Scare Me you wrote and directed and then obviously Werewolves so then we've talked about uh, which kinda which kind of feels like a Christmas movie. Yeah, Werewolves Within is like a good winter, right? Winter movie. Yeah. I love people talking about that winter rewatch. Absolutely. That cozy rewatch. That's what you want. Well, that was me. I mean, look, we're I think one of look, a lot of movies, uh, the pandemic obviously we and we we mentioned it earlier, the pandemic really screwed a lot of movies, of course. But I do think Werewolves Within was one of those um there was a nice kind of groundswell around it of like because of almost the content of it, of like these people stuck in a place, but it was like fun, right? There was like a, That's right. it wasn't dire. I mean, it was, you know, it's obviously there's like horror elements to it, but it's, it's enjoyable to watch. Uh, Cause th- that was what spoke me and my wife rented it because of that. It was kind of, well, I knew you from scare me, but it was like, Oh, this is something we just watch this and kind of all be together. Like in, you know, uh, yeah. you know, quarantined yeah. and watching. Yeah. And I feel like that helped in a way that movie where, I mean, you know more than me, but that was right at that moment. Things are kind of coming back. Down. Yeah, yeah. I even though I had these two these two movies come out during COVID, it was sort of a blessing in disguise in a way because that they they punctured. They just happened to be about what they were about because yeah. we wrapped them both before the pandemic of it all. And so for these two movies to feel sort of comfortable and warm, fireside and such, um, and for people to watch them sort of feel you know without it being a social commentary movie about what was actually happening to us, um, I think it worked out pretty well and. It's also that thing about making a movie you can watch around Halloween or you can watch as an October yeah, thing sure. to be on people's lists, you know, from here on out. That's that's super important to me. I think the next swing I'm going to have to make at some point. I do have a a Christmas horror. There aren't nearly enough of those. I fucking love Krampus. I mean, my God. I, I don't well, think, uh, yeah, I don't that, think was, that was going to be our enough. our final question is just what right, are, Krampus is you a good got any holiday watching uh, records right, for Krampus, people out there? Yeah. I love Krampus so much. My wife and I are actually going to watch it tonight. It's our our new annual. Um, oh, we we nice. I think we spent last year trying to go through and and watch more Christmas horror. Mm. Like I hadn't watched Black Christmas, which I thought was killer. Mm. Um, and uh, I think Better Watch Out. Um, which was which is good. It was a little little problematic, but a lot of fun. Um, Rare Exports was so oh, gorgeous yeah a good movie. shit yeah i've seen that. um yeah. it truly is but krampus is per krampus is just my shit it's it feels like you know early dante sure um, yeah it feels yeah. it harkens right back to gremlins and the fact that weta workshop put their back into it and mike doherty brought in his sort of animation skill you can see that um it uh yeah it's it's and doherty did trick-or-treat to your point which has kind of become a yes. seminal ho- a halloween horror movie yeah, um, yeah. Call culty, a culty piece of work. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, other ones. Rare Exports is actually a great one. Um, um, you know, that not quite a horror movie, but the Silent Partner we've mentioned on the show, right, Connor? That's one yeah. That you I did also just discover. Um, I was watch. I watched. I rewatched Enemy of the State. Which which, oh, which which rips and I but I forgot that that it's a was Christmas like a movie. happened at Christmas movie because she so, wears Regina yeah. isn't it Regina is Regina is Regina King who yeah wears he the, gets her the lingerie, lingerie but that's as a Christmas gift yeah the the whole the whole inciting incidents mild spoiler for Enemy of the State no I it's guess, the beginning yeah, is yeah. like <laughs> the thing that they're after goes missing because the kid snuck in and 
he like, stole was his snooping the, the Christmas present. He's trying to steal. He steals oh, the game, uh, or yeah. he thinks it's a game. Yeah, it's yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Oh. So anyway, Enemy of the State, it's secretly, uh, secretly a sequel to the conversation, yes. which is always Features. the weirdest yes, thing. That's right. Feature Hackman. So we're all. It's back. It always all comes the weirdest, together. weirdest thing is that thing of like just like yeah, it's basically if Harry Call just like lived and then just. <laughs> met will smith 25 years later and like yeah yeah Barry what, Pepper a, what was an interesting him. idea like, okay I'll, I'll i'll work with that multiverse i can i can buy into that <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh my gosh but josh thanks again for for chatting with us uh we appreciate oh, pleasure. You taking the time um absolutely a, thank you both yeah have a very happy holiday and um, uh josh too. out there in the world where can people find you you have anything oh, yes, final yes. to plug before we uh uh I'm doing a, a graphic novel called Darla Twisted Little Tale comes out next year uh, with my buddies at uh, Invader Comics and it was animated uh, drawn by Brianna Tippett who's a genius so I'll be posting about that on all my socials which is just at Josh Rubin everywhere great well we'll nice. keep a lookout for that thanks again for uh, for taking Thank the time you. and uh yeah you can find me on twitter at scruffy looking you can find this podcast on twitter and facebook at tfs b-side uh dan you got anything you want to close out with as, no uh, just dj mecca everywhere L look at our end of the year film stage stuff that'll, we post yeah, that'll be that'll be dropping soon um and um as of this passing, posting yeah happy well that last episode of the year so happy holidays to everybody and connor you can you can uh yeah, sing us a little jingle bells on the way out. Here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can uh, you can shoot us an email at b side b s i d e at thefilmstage.com. And uh, like I said, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are listening. It helps us out a great deal. Thank you, as always, to all of our wonderful guests this year, including you, Josh. And uh, thanks again to Adam Blotner for our newly minted as of our as of our recent hundredth episode, our newly minted theme song. It's what been gift, uh, yes. it's been a wonderful year. And we look forward to seeing all of you in 2023. And now you're listening to the B-Side.